following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. This morning, I thought it would be fun to maybe bring a little of my own context to you. Usually in the summers at Awaken, we typically do a series called Lost in Translation. So we take maybe hard to understand passages or misinterpreted or like the really weird ones that no one ever wants to touch or sometimes verses that are super common, um, maybe like the kind of verses that we stop hearing because they're so common, and we attempt to make sense of them. So I'm doing a little something like that this morning. Um, And as you heard, we're in the book of Philippians, chapter four, verses four to seven. And maybe those were some familiar words to you, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, So a little about me, I grew up in Minnesota, in a predominantly white evangelical church context. Um, And for the most part, I got really lucky with my church experience as a young person. Uh, It instilled in me a deep love for God and the church, something I hope I still have. Um, But because I grew up in that context, these three verses plucked out of their context, just how it was read, uh, were verses that most people knew, kind of like the trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, The content for many 18 year olds uh, getting tattoos if you are a cool Christian. Um, But Philippians was right in that category. And as someone that historically has and continues in some degree to have a strong relationship to anxiety, these words uh, were and are ones that I connected with. Um, So I, as a young person, would meditate on these words in hopes that it would soothe my buzzing mind, uh, aching for that peace that surpasses my ability to understand it if I just pray. And sometimes it helped, and sometimes it didn't. And when it didn't, it made me feel like I was doing something wrong in my praying. And I wonder, for those of you listening this morning, hearing the words of scripture, this invitation from God to rejoice in the Lord always and to not be anxious and all you have to do is pray and you'll get peace. I'm curious for how many of you, and you don't have to respond, but how many of you feel a deep resonance with those words right now? How many of you feel like rejoicing and and whatever that might look like is close or easy to access right now? I'm curious how many of you are maybe holding a heightened sense of anxiety and what some of you might give for just a little taste, even a fleeting moment of a piece that doesn't make sense. And I don't want to assume we're all anxious and have no clue what rejoicing in the Lord is. Um, For some, you might be good, and I don't want to take that away. But what I do want to attempt to do this morning is to be really honest uh, and, and hopefully invite you to that honesty and to tease out a little bit of what Paul is saying here. Um, You may have heard, but we are in a pandemic. And it is not going well. Um, We are reckoning with deep racial wounds in this country. 
people are unbelievably divided. Social media, I don't know that I need to add commentary there. Uh, there's an ever-increasing refugee crisis and earth groaning in pain because of human practice. There are stupid amounts of uncertainty about what next week is going to look like, let alone what the holidays are going to look like. People have lost work and community and touch and structure and loved ones and housing. The world is anxious right now. And so if Paul's words to rejoice in the Lord always and to not be anxious rings a little hollow, we're maybe in the same lane. Um, Upon first reading the cynic in me feels like Paul is just deeply out of touch with reality. And although he's been through some things, he's clearly never had to experience 2020. And yet... I think Paul offers some real wisdom and gift for us this morning. And my hope is that the spirit would birth some peace in us, uh, even if it's just for a moment. The section of the letter we find our passage in this morning is, is at the beginning of Paul's closing remarks to the church in Philippi. Uh, Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers to encourage unity among them, Um, to provide reassurance, to paint an ideal picture of what the followers of Jesus could look like together. Uh, Throughout the letter, he explains what mutuality and interdependence looks like, what it looks like to consider another as superior to yourself, and first and foremost, seek the well-being of others because of a core theology of Paul's. Followers of Jesus are in Christ. He uses this word over and over and over again throughout all of his letters. And because we are in Christ, we participate in the mystery of Christ's death and resurrection, and it is the glue that holds us together. Philippians is actually a relatively cheerful letter. Um, Some bits of conflict here and there. Yes, Paul is writing from prison. Yes, there are real hardships that people are facing, but all things considered, uh, it's a pretty bright letter, like as compared to Paul addressing things like incest at Corinth. So it begs this question for me, when we read our passage in its context, why would Paul, in closing, Say what he says, an exhortation to not be anxious when they seem fine. Um, And so to answer that, I want to say a few things about anxiety. First and foremost, um, we are coming to this text hundreds of years removed, and we know a lot more about anxiety now. And I'm going to take some interpretive liberties in that, but I think I can, and I think it's worth it. Um, Anxiety is one of the most primitive emotions in human beings. It's in part a function of human survival in our ability to sense danger or threat, so it's not inherently bad. Um, From the internet, I think I got this from like healthline.com, but I liked how they said it. Um, anxiety is your body's natural response to stress. Uh, it's a feeling of fear or apprehension about what is to come. And for those of us, 
as humans, like that is a familiar feeling. Uh, for those of us who might get into the disorder realm of anxiety and things like that, it's an excessive amount of that. And there's a chemical process in our brains to that. And so whether or not Paul is nodding uh, to a more circumstantial worry or a generalized anxiety disorder, what I think he's pointing to in this context is how anxiety can function relationally. Uh, excuse me. Oh, the reason I think Paul is making mention of this in closing is because anxiety can threaten that sense of unity and mutuality, our ability to really see one another. Not always, but left unchecked, absolutely. Have you ever been in a conversation where you felt someone's anxiety hijack, or, or maybe it was your own? Or in a room of people, when someone's anxious reaction was like a vacuum and the whole room got derailed and centered around it? There is a power that is not always helpful when anxiety is driving. And so I think Paul is acknowledging that possibility when anxiety inevitably intrudes on healthy community for whatever the reason. So a question, where have you seen anxiety these days? Where have you seen it in the world? How has it affected your relationships? How have you experienced it in yourself? Because it's all kind of swirling together when we actually read these words in their context, instead of just assuming that this is just for my personal anxiety, which is the background that I came from, this is calling us a little higher and wider in how anxiety plays out in our communities, in our world, our relationships, and ourselves. Where is anxiety keeping us from a sense of mutuality, of loving our neighbor, that is really what I think Paul is getting at here and why he's talking about anxiety as he closes this letter and he's telling them what to do with it. Uh, what I appreciate about Paul's words and offering in our passage is the way he's inviting the Philippians and us to name something before God by prayer and petition to reflect upon this emotional process instead of letting it take over. Paul says, instead of let, letting our minds spin in an endless cycle of unknowns, he says to name it through prayer and petition, or, or in the Greek, another way to translate that word petition is seeking, uh, present your need, your fear, your sense of out of controlness, to God. And before I go on, I, I want to be careful here because for so many of us, relief of anxiety might be a lot more complex than just naming it, than um, just reflecting and asking ourselves, okay, what is the strength of this emotion about and, and getting to the root of it? So I, I want to be careful in making this sound transactional. And yet, there is still a power in naming what that core thing is that's driving our anxiety and inviting God into that space with us to be near and close and to hold it. 
sometimes, most of the time, we can't actually fix it by ourselves. Like we certainly play a part, but God does too. And when we can name anxiety through prayer and seeking before God, in my experience, there there is an intimacy that comes, a peace of sorts. For me, it, it isn't always this magic, immediate sense of like not feeling anxious anymore. It has happened that way, but not always. Uh, even when it doesn't happen immediately like that, like I think some of us think um, around this passage, there is something about knowing that God is present in the brutality of that swirling and buzzing mind. That the declaration of God in Christ is that even this also very human experience is held by the divine too. And that there is a guarding of our hearts and minds that happens both in ourselves and in our community. When we can pray how Paul is inviting us to pray here, which looks a whole lot like saying it out loud. And so in closing today, I'd like to be really practical because I think anxiety is something that is driving in many places right now. In many of our communities, I think it's an experience that many of us are holding tightly is so much uh, as all of our routines and and world has has changed so much. There's a very uh, real sense of unknown and ambiguity and anxiety naturally arises from those things. Um, And and so I, I want to comment in closing on that prayer and petition piece. I am of the opinion that prayer is much more broad than we realize. It's more than words. It's more than talking out loud to God with other people. Uh, That can be a part of it. Uh, But in my humble opinion, uh, it's more about inviting God to be present with us, or maybe better said, making ourselves present to God in whatever we're doing. Um, especially when we get into the realm of prayer around anxieties. Uh, Prayer can be going on a walk or moving our bodies as we process. It can be writing or a conversation with a friend where where you're naming those things. It can be tears. It can be lament. Or if it's an anxiety that's out of control, maybe prayer and petition before God looks like talking to a doctor and inviting God into that space with you. So I invite you this week to pay attention to when anxiety shows up for you. Uh, What would it look like to pause and notice and reflect on what it's actually about and then to practice inviting God into that with you, naming it before God, whatever that looks like, with the hope that the mystery of peace, a sense of being guarded shows up somehow. That really, uh, I think practical these days is is really important. Um, So that is the invitation. Would you pray with me? God of peace, I thank you that you are close and near. 
even in places that feel chaotic, even when your presence feels far off. And God, I, I, I ask that you would make yourself known, that you would give us a peace that makes no sense, that you would give us the courage um, to engage what we're holding, and that you, we would find you so very close. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.